Okay, we are back with an all-new episode of the 7th Generation Podcast. This is your host, Bernard Navarro. How are we doing out there, everyone? We are back with part two of our sit-down with TJ Kreutzer from the Weedify Foundation. If you haven't listened to part one, go check it out right now. It's an outstanding episode. Um, and let me tell you, part two is equally as good. So the Weedify Foundation is doing big things. They're helping out combat veterans. They have a big event coming up on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the seventh generation um, uh, jiu-jitsu academy uh, was approved uh, to hold an open mat there. So we are going to hold an open mat on May 31st, and you can stop on by. Open mat's going to start at 5 o'clock, and it will go to about 8, so 5 to 8 p.m. So we'll do a three-hour open mat. There will be a drop-in fee, and all the money that we raise will go to the Weedify Foundation. You need to go check out their website if you want to support them. Um, you can easily donate money. You could also um, pay $40, get yourself an event t-shirt. I'm not sure if you were to order a shirt, if it would come in time uh, for the events possible. Um, I have my shirt already, and uh, my patch came in the mail uh, last week, and it's a really um, incredible design. So I'm going to... Um, put it up on Instagram. Um, so again, you can stop by our gym. If you're here in the Fresno area and you want to train with us on May 31st, support combat veterans who get sponsorships to train jujitsu through the, we, the We Defy Foundation, come on in. Uh, like I said, there will be a drop-in fee and all that money that we raise on that date will go to the We Defy Foundation. So uh, it should be fun. If you don't live here in the Fresno area, check out the website. There may be uh, a gym that's holding an open mat or having some type of um, event connected to fundraising for the Weedify Foundation. Um, also, I was talking to my good friend, David Thole, and he's doing some fundraising as well this weekend. He's going to run 100 miles, and I will be sharing information on my Instagram how you can support his run Again, all of the money that he raises will be going to the We Defy Foundation. So he's already done um, some fundraising. Um, so he's just going to continue to to fundraise for the We Defy uh, Foundation. And um, I'm going to help him out, at least get the word out. He's going to run 100 miles, and uh, he's going to do it over a couple of days. And he's going to be raising money um, through his Instagram. So... It's really easy to uh, donate money um, that way, and I'll make sure to be sharing that information so that way we can support Dave, and uh, through supporting him, we can support this incredible nonprofit organization. So um, I just want to say thank you to TJ for taking the time, um, again, out of his busy schedule. You know, he's a pilot, he trains jujitsu, he's a volunteer. Um, and so he's a busy person and I really do appreciate, um, him sitting down with me over zoom and talking about this really incredible nonprofit organization. I was doing a little bit of research on, uh, veterans and, and I wasn't surprised to, to read that, um, veterans are basically less than less than 1% of the American population. So 99% of us never serve in the armed forces. So it's less than 1% of Americans who 
um, go and fight these wars overseas. Since 2001, um, the United States has, you know, basically been fighting um, uh, wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, we have an all-volunteer army, meaning that uh, many of the people who've been deployed over these years um, have been deployed and redeployed and deployed again. So uh, they spent a lot of time in combat, um, and of course, that increased the risk of uh, exposure to traumatic events, um, head trauma, and a wide variety of um, health issues related to combat. So the We Defy Foundation, <clears throat> excuse me, is doing some great work uh, to get veterans who are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder or whatever disabilities to get them on the mat so that way um, they can you know, manage their stress, manage their depression, whatever issues that they're contending with. They have a place where they can get that camaraderie where they can get the the health benefits of jujitsu, all the things that TJ talked about in the first episode. But anyway, I was I was looking over some of um, the uh, statistics, the facts on uh, veterans and suicide, and um, it's it's really an, uh, a big issue. Um, anywhere between five thousand to um, sixty five hundred veterans uh, commit suicide annually here in the United States. Um, the suicide rate for veterans is more than three times higher than non-veterans. The VA found that the risk of suicide is highest in younger, um, male white veterans aged 18 to 44, um, physically and emotionally disabled veterans are high at risk. And that's again, why jujitsu is su- such a, a beneficial activity that it gives our veterans um, all the things that they need to be able to adjust to civilian life, deal again with traumatic um, uh, events that occurred during times in combat. Again, all the things that TJ discussed in part one of our discussion. Uh, more than 80% of suicides uh, among veterans involve firearms. Members of the National Guard and Reserve who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan make up 53% of the suicides among veterans since 2001. And so one of the main reasons why is that, you know, we have an all-volunteer army. And so, um, uh, you know, we basically pulled from the National Guard and the Reserves and we deployed and redeployed some of these people several times. So, again, less than 1% of Americans are veterans. So it's a very small group and they um, uh, sacrifice quite a bit for us here. And, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, risk factors that uh, veterans have to deal with. Um, You have combat trauma, PTSD, a sense of hopelessness and depressive episodes. Um, you know, the separation from the military structure, again, TJ talks about this in depth in part one, drug and alcohol abuse, um, access to firearms, um, you know, wounded hospitalizations, disability. These are all, uh, risk factors, uh, fear of, um, the stigma of, you know, you know, wanting to maybe seek help, but, you don't want to carry the stigma that if you do seek help, people are going to see you as being weak. 
and of course, um, you know, readjustment difficulties. And again, I can only imagine people who are in a combat situation um, uh, where the rules, right, the norms. In sociology, we talk a lot about culture and norms and values, and the, the norms and the values and the culture of the military are so radically different um, than the norms and the culture and the values of everyday society, civilian life, especially in, in combat situations. And so it could be really difficult for veterans to readjust when they come home. So what are some of the important protective um, factors for veterans? Again, camaraderie with other veterans, uh, treatment for PTSD and depression, um, optimism, resilience, wellness, family, community, veteran support. Again, these are things that um, are often um, you know, beneficial from training jiu-jitsu. Um, rest- restricting access to guns and weapons, uh, good coping and stress management skills as well are uh, very, very helpful. Um, what are some of the early warning signs of suicide risk? Again, hopelessness, helpless, a feeling like there's no way out, feeling... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, feeling alienated, socially isolated, withdrawal from family and friends, uh, dramatic mood changes, uh, rage, anger, reckless behavior. Again, increase in alcohol or drug use, anxiety, uh, sleep problems, and then citing no reason for living. I mean, these are all um, early warning signs of people who might be at of suicide risk. And Jiu-jitsu, I mean, reading all this, it just, I, I mean, the, the thing that kept coming to mind is just, man, jiu-jitsu is so therapeutic for people who are dealing with some of these issues. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people. I, I've um, uh, trained jiu-jitsu for so many years, and, you know, I've dealt with my, my own issues. We all do. Everybody does. And this is something that TJ and I, we, we talked about this. So like, you can't live on this planet for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years and not have gone through something, not have had to deal with some type of incredible adversity. Um, we've all, you know, experienced some kind of trauma. Some people more than others, of course, right? Combat veterans obviously have dealt with traumatic situations that the majority of us will never have to deal with. Um, but we, we all understand that, um, you know, there's times in our life that are very, very difficult. And when you have family, you have community, when you have camaraderie, um, these are all very beneficial things to people who are dealing with these issues. And jujitsu gives you that, right? Um, gives you, uh, again, a sense of community and support from people you don't even know very well, which is really one of the cool things about it. Um, and it, you know, it teaches you also how to uh, deal with a lot of different personalities. So it's one of the things that I like about jujitsu is you meet a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. I mean, I've been able to train with people and have conversations with them after training or before training that if I did train jujitsu, I probably wouldn't even really get to know these individuals. And that part of it is something that I really cherish about this really beautiful, incredible martial art. So um, at my gym, you know, we have police officers, people in law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, nurses, um, teachers, uh, working class folk. I mean, you name it, parents, single parents, 
people with no kids. <laughs> it's just a a really cool atmosphere to to be in every single night. It's a great way to spend your night. You can sit on the couch, eat Cheetos all night long and eat junk food and get fat. Or you can go train jujitsu and have a good time around a bunch of cool people. And that's what jujitsu gives you. So um, I wanted to play the second half of uh, the Weedify short film, This Is Normal. Uh, it's a very powerful um, uh, short film. You can find it on the website. Again, go visit the website, weedifyfoundation.org. And um, you can buy some gear. You can support the Memorial Day event. Um, and then, of course, you come out to 7th Generation Jiu-Jitsu and Fitness and get a couple of rolls in. Or if you don't want to roll, you just want to come out and uh, have a good time, uh, you can meet the 7th Generation family. So here, here's part two, and we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Difference pretty quickly. I found out about We Defy Foundation by uh, a Marine Corps brother of mine, Ben. Krosky, he uh, just moved to Texas. He's been training jiu-jitsu for like 10 plus years. He was telling me, bro, you gotta try it. I found this new gym. They got this We Defy Foundation veterans, you know what I mean? So I just moved out here three weeks ago from Philadelphia, like start my life over. And it's the first place he took me. I found a lot of relief, a lot of stress reliever. Uh, definitely bonding with people, especially other veterans. And it's helping me bond with civilians more too, because I. I had a tendency of like staring away from them, you know what I mean? I, I would hang out at veteran bars, go to veteran events, stuff like that, so it helps me try to mesh the two together. We Defy Foundation has supported my life for multiple reasons. You know, yes, it helps me um, deal with anxiety and stress, and it gets me outside of myself and my head. It puts things into perspective. And when you get your butt kicked for two or three hours, Everything else in life is just so quiet, it makes so much more sense. But also, the chance to be a part of an organization that's making a difference in lives and empowering our, our fellow veterans is, is very important to me. Vets, we're not broken machines. We're, we're people just like you are. We just, uh, we joined up, we fought for the country, now we're back trying to move on with our lives. Um, we don't need to be treated with kid gloves. We just want the same opportunities that everyone else wants. There is so much importance to what We Defy is doing on multiple levels. Yes, Jiu-Jitsu is fantastic. Yes, it's great for personal and professional development, and it's great for empowerment. But some of the veterans who need We Defy have personal struggles that some of us will never understand. And for them to be around a group of people who are supportive, but also don't treat them with kid, kid gloves, they treat them like a regular person, it is so empowering for them that I, I think that some of us will struggle to understand how important it is. <laughs> My hero, that's a ridiculous question, no. Um, you know, in, in Ambush Alley, there were people who sacrificed themselves to save lives. You know, the, uh, Manuel Espinosa Garcia, the corporal who was in charge of our mortar section, kept his, his mortar on track and kept it on fire to, to great injury to himself. He's had 23 surgeries since he got out. Um, he's a hero. There are people who, our forward air commander, uh, for our FAC, he stood up under fire and pointed out enemy artillery positions or enemy 83 mortars. Lost his life. He's a hero. I'm just some dumb kid. People say we're heroes. I don't consider myself a hero. 
And the reason I don't is because I, I know plenty of veterans, I've seen plenty of brothers I served with do way more, achieve way more, and with less. So I'm trying to get to that level. So I don't consider myself a hero because they're the level I'm trying to get at. They're my heroes. This is normal. standards that have held me down in the past. We are accountable to our coaches, our families, and to our peers. We are healing. We defy. Man, it's a very, very powerful short film. Again, if you want to watch it, you can check out uh, the We Defy Foundation website. That's www.wedefyfoundation.org. Um, let's get to the second part to our uh, sit down with TJ Kreutzer. Um, it's a good one. Again, just one last time, TJ, I appreciate everything that you do at the We Defy Foundation, all the volunteers, all the ambassadors, you're doing incredible work. The seventh generation jiu-jitsu family is going to contribute as much as we can, and we hope to um, continue to grow this relationship and help out um, our combat veterans, the folks who are dealing with disabilities, the folks who really need programs that the We Defy Foundation um, provides. There's going to be uh, just a short pause, and then we're going to pick up right where we left off on our last episode. Thank you. Diversity is, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of a it's a pop term. Like everybody wants, they say they want diversity. Companies are looking for diversity. But you know, um, diversity can be great and it can be awful. It really depends on. Yep. If you are able, part of this is a leadership statement. If you are able to harness common values between all the people, that's how you get access to the benefits of diversity. Yes. If you're if you're unable to find that common purpose and unable to share those common values, you will not. That's where diversity can sometimes, I think, inhibit an organization. Absolutely. Because we do have different experiences mm-hmm. and priorities and different stories to tell. If we're not going to bond over anything, being diverse for the sake of being diverse um, is a missed opportunity and can sometimes be damaging. Yeah, it could be a train wreck. <laughs> so in the gym, you've got this, this community piece of this warrior piece that we all on this primal level, we get it. 
Yeah. You know, and we, there's nowhere else I can think of. Um, uh, well, I can't say that it's not a fair statement, but there's very few places in life that we get to, to experience that. Yeah. And you can do it for pretty much as long as you want. I mean, yeah. you know, I've acquired so many different injuries over the years and, you know, I have a lot of limitations, but you know, I can still do this and I'm going to continue to do it as long yeah. as my body will allow and probably even beyond that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just wanted to maybe, you know, get onto some different topics here. And I have a question for you in regards to the military and, and jujitsu. And, and maybe you can kind of talk about what, the differences between, say, success and failure in the military, and success and failure on the mat. So this is good because this is good. this actually feeds into the last two components that I think are important to talk about, um, and it's structure and achievement. Okay, so of cool. those five, these would be the last two points. Um, the military is obviously structured. I, I already kind of talked about. Hey, I was an officer. There was enlisted. You know, we're familiar with that. Um, but in the gym you have a, uh, a structure too. You have ranks, right? Easy to understand for, for someone that was in the military. You'll look to the people that are of higher rank to be leaders and the people that are at the bottom um, usually don't have as much of a leadership role. And, and that's very similar in, in the gym. Um, the, the fact that you can count on gym times, you know, hey, I know at 6 p.m. every Thursday I get to do jujitsu. So when the rest of your life is a mess, post-military potentially, looking for a job, having troubles at home, maybe even in the middle of a divorce, struggles with children. I can go to jiu-jitsu every Thursday at 6 p.m. That is structure. That is something that gives a person a sense of control again. The military has a lot of things that even though the military is a very controlling organization, the structure leads you to be able to hang your hat on certain things. It tells you, like I said, not what to do all the time, but maybe how to do it or maybe when to do it. When you lose that after the military, that can be disorienting. And I, like I said, bring it back to regular life. Someone who retires from a normal job, same thing. The loss of structure, sometimes that loss of sense of purpose. To me, that component of jujitsu is important. Because it ties a lot of uh, a lot of those unknowns and those variables that we can't control together, it gives us a sense of control again. Um, as far as uh, achievement, as the fifth piece, I think that's one of the most important parts because we make decisions in our lives when we get involved in jujitsu about how we are going to live. What are we going to eat? How much are we going to sleep? How much are we going to drink? How are we going to do drugs? You know, all these things that affect our performance on the mats, like we care now about stuff. That, those little battles that we win or that we improve ourselves, that is achievement. You know, it's, it's little things like that that make us better. You know, things get even bigger, especially with, with veterans here, um, our, our hashtag. And I think from the beginning of the foundation, one of the mottos was prove them wrong. And a lot of veterans come back from service trying to deal with 
all these challenges and maybe hearing things from other people that are not helpful. You know, and I, even sometimes with medical professionals that are saying, hey, your anxiety is so severe that you're going to have challenges with A, B, and C. You know, we want you to push the envelope and get out, you know, but this is, you know, you, you become labeled sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. even our families, our friends, you know, they know that we're struggling and they can put labels on us sometimes. Um, So one of the things that I think is important here is that, and with that statement, prove them wrong is we're proving those naysayers wrong. We're proving those people that are looking at us and limiting us and saying, Hey, this guy is a disabled veteran, you know, and all the things stereotypes that you can throw at that. We're proving them wrong with this program. But I I think the most key point is it's not what those people are saying about you and what they're labeling you with that matters as much as how do you internalize the things you're hearing or do you internalize the things that you're hearing? Do you start to believe? that you're limited? Do you start to think, I can't do A, B, and C anymore? Because that's a naysayer too. But that naysayer is in your brain. And that's the, that's the voice to prove wrong. And I think that jujitsu gives us awesome tools in terms of you know, learning a really difficult martial art, yeah. persevering, getting your butt kicked, but getting mm-hmm. back up over and over and over and knowing that you just got throttled in a, in a six-minute round and then you stand up and you look over at the next person and you're like, who's next? Yeah. Because I'm not satisfied with that role. And the only way I could fix that is to come out and try it again and keep standing up over and over and over. Um, you know, and there's much, there's much better, I mean, the, the competition, there's huge things you can, you can win. You know, you can go to worlds and win world championships. You can, but anybody can go, you know, you get to be on, on a stage for like a promotion, like fight to win, which yeah. is really fun and really exciting. You could go to a grappling industries and, and compete one time and maybe get second or third. I mean, there's all these little things that you can do that can build upon each other to, to achieve. Like, when I, what did I think in my 40s? I was going to be doing something like a combat sport like this, competing in <laughs> world championships. It's like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I have in a way like I, we have no business doing stuff like this at this age, but we're doing it. Yeah. We're proving that we can do exceptional things because of this sport. And I think that that's important for veterans who are, who have lost a sense of purpose. Yeah. Uh, that's really uh, powerful stuff there. Um, one of the things I do like about jujitsu as well, when you, you think about the fact that you can, you know, in your forties, go out there and compete, say at a fight to win, right. Some really major show on that same fight card that you're on might be one of the greatest <laughs> jujitsu yeah. fighters of our yeah. day. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I went to the worlds and fought as a purple belt, I remember I, I was going to weigh in and, and I turned around and there's Marcelo Garcia right behind yeah. me. And I'm like, Oh, hi, <laughs> how you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was all starstruck. And I, yeah. and I thought this is really, uh, an incredible part of our sport is that, you know, you're around some of these really amazing, incredible legends. And, and in some cases you might be able to train with them. Right. Yeah, maybe even sure. fight them possibly if you know if you stay in this long enough. I mean, I've seen some yeah. some guys actually compete against you know some of the the best in the world, and um, sure. you just don't you're not going to be able to do that in in these other sports. That's funny, you know. Every time you you rank up, right? You're like I'm in my 40s and I'm a purple belt, 
and then you know I'll be competing against people like that at these big competitions, right? Yeah. But then when I get to black belt, you know, my first competition with a black belt, I could be going against a guy who's been a black belt for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> he just happens to be yeah. 50, you know? Uh, I competed as a black belt. It's different. <laughs> it's what well, I, I, you know, when I competed as a, as a brown, I just felt like from the, from the get-go, I could hang in there. And then, right, my first competition as a black belt was just like, you're going against guys who been yeah. a black belt for 25 years. It was completely different. Yeah. And so I'm still, you know, trying to figure it out, you know, trying to, to figure out this black belt competition yeah. thing. It's just, it was just so different than Brown, purple and, and blue. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's something we have guys here that, um, one of them, his name is Kelly Johnson. He, he just competes and competes and competes and he does great. And he's, he's probably been training since he was, he was a wrestler growing up. So he had already had that, but he's still newish to jujitsu considering he's yeah. in his fifties black belt and he's competing, but he does great, but he goes against these huge names sometimes. And it's just crazy. You know, like yeah. what, what did Nogi worlds? Um, and I, at my first match, Gordon Ryan was competing right next to me. I'll see. And I look That's over just, there and I'm like, this is That's crazy. Just incredible. <laughs> <laughs> this is wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. cool. And then like, That's really I, know, cool. I was, made eye contact with one of, one of the Machados and he just winked at me. Like he saw me like <laughs> clearly I was like, must have my jaw dropped. Like, Oh my God, it's him. And he just like, ah. like it was hilarious. That's it's, awesome. yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy environment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it is pretty cool when you go to, you know, say the, the worlds, uh, and you're, you know, you just, you're just surrounded around these legends and these guys are world champions and it's, it's definitely a cool part of our sport. So, yeah, so I just have a, a question for you. Can you share a story about something that would kind of demonstrate to the listeners just how important the We Defy Foundation is? Okay. Um, there's a guy. I'm not gonna. I won't use names. Um, I know he he wouldn't care if I did, but um, I'm not gonna anyway. He. And I were talking, we've had a couple conversations. He's one of our sponsored athletes. And he told me straight up, I'm trying to say it in as closely as he did, is, and this is a, this is a COVID thing too, you know, because this is during the year of COVID. And we got to balance our mental health and our physical health and everything else. And there are certain risks that we take and certain times that we don't. And we can protect ourselves in a certain way. That's why I was in a pod for the most part for the year, you know, um, instead of in the gym. Everybody has to come to terms with that on their own. And he said to me, he's like, you know, I've, I think COVID's for real. And I'm concerned about it. But I'm 28 and I'm looking at the numbers. And I also know that one before. And since I have been in this gym for eight months, I've been clean. And I know that the likelihood of getting seriously ill from COVID, it's a thing. I mean, it can happen and that would be potentially catastrophic. But if I stop training, the likelihood that I will die from heroin is much higher. And I'm not trying to downplay COVID because I took it seriously, but we're trying to help people that are on the brink and they know 
where they've been. When they say that jujitsu saved my life, it's not just because it sounds good. These, these are people who know where they were and know how close to the edge they were, or maybe even tried to go over it and failed at taking their life. Um, those are the kinds of stories that I hear on a very regular basis. And it tells me that the work we're doing is, is the good work. Um, and uh, this is like, it's the most important thing I've ever gotten to be involved with. I mean, I know in the, when I served in the military, that was important too, but I, I get to see the actual fruits in this way. You know, it's hard when you're, in, when you're a soldier and you're part of the machine, <laughs> you don't always get to see the, the output, the outcome. But with We Defy Foundation, we see it every day. Wow. That's yeah, it's an incredible story. Um, so that's a good lead into my next question. So how did the pandemic affect the foundation? I mean, obviously, I mean, things had to have changed and I'm sure it had to be a, a rough year in some ways. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, when it happened... Um we were as shell-shocked as everybody else was. And the previous year, we had put 60 athletes into the program. And we wanted to try to duplicate that again for 2020. But as soon as it all started to happen, I mean, the gyms were closing. And um, like, is it safe to train? What are we going to do? You know, So we shut down placing any athletes for two months as well. So for, um, I think... April and May, we didn't place a single person because we didn't know if we were going to have revenue. We didn't know what was going to happen. But people kept donating and people kept being generous. So by the time June came around, we started to get a feel for how, how can we – it's going to be hard. How are we going to balance all these things? We've got COVID. That's an issue. we got gyms opening and closing. We have different states with different restrictions. It was really challenging. So the way we managed it in our organization – was we started to give ambassadors more roles to play because the, the operation got really complicated really fast. So as we started to give our volunteers, our volunteers had originally been more like fundraising focused, but now we were utilizing them in admin roles and on teams and ways to mentor to the athletes and help us track what's going on with the gym. So it really became a full team effort. Um, and it was one of those, it's like a happy accident where, we were running the foundation one way, and then because of this adversity with COVID, we found out how to really use our resources and max perform them and really get the most out of everybody that's involved, that, that wants to be involved on a, on a higher level. Um, so I think uh, the organization itself became much stronger because we were able to use everyone else's um, contributions in a new way. Um, in terms of how to administer this program with all the new information we had to track and all the gyms we had to keep up with, with their needs in the States and everything like that. Um, we ended up placing 53 athletes, which was a little less than the previous year, but that wasn't because of funding. It was literally because gyms were closed and we couldn't put people in, you know, right. some, some places. Right. And there's still gyms that are closed right now are still parts of the country that we can't access but um, there's other places where we can. And so we focused on those. And financially, we had our best year by most metrics in 2020, which is astounding. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, I think one of the things that happened for Veterans Day, a lot of times we do 
pushes on Veterans Day or Memorial Day, we do like open mats, right? All across the country. But a lot of the gyms couldn't participate this Veterans Day. So we came up with this idea, well, why don't we pair it with a ruck? Which a ruck is like a march, you know? You can do a 5K, a 10K. You can bring your friends. They don't have to be people that do jujitsu. And so we set it up, and we're doing this for Memorial Day right now too, where there's a workout that one of our ambassadors made who's a, a personal trainer. So you go on the website, Right now for Memorial Day, you can register for $40. You get a t-shirt and a couple other things and a workout. And you can do that workout with your friends and post it on social media, help raise awareness about veterans issues and we defy. We did that for Veterans Day too. And we did it as, as a march. So people from all over the country had 400 different people that signed up for this. Um, a, a lot of them were not jujitsu practitioners. They were just people that saw what we were doing and cared and wanted to be a part of it. And we still had some gyms that were able to do open mats. So we ended up raising like $45,000 over Veterans Day week. Outstanding. It costs about $2,500 to put a veteran through the program between what we provide for them, the ghee, the tuition, and then, you know, after like running the foundation with the overhead and everything like that, which I already said is incredibly low. But that's a lot of veterans that we got to fund, you know, for the future. So we started this year, instead of putting five on the mat every month, we put 10. Man, so and in May, we're going to hit our 250th veteran that we sponsored as an organization. So uh, I think the big takeaway from us for 2020 was, yes, there was a lot of adversity, but um, we use it as an opportunity to involve more people uh, much more intimately in how we were running the foundation. We're just, we're using our assets. People want to help. We're finding ways and we're, offering mentorship now to athletes, to, to the veterans, which we weren't doing before. We have a design team that makes our gear, which was a newer thing too. Um, we, uh, I, I think we got really good at using our assets in 2020 because we had to, in order to meet the challenges that that year brought and uh, continue. Cause I mean, when it first hit, like, are we going to be able to keep doing this? Yeah. <laughs> like, does jujitsu stop now? Is it over? There was you know, a lot of those questions, questions being floated yeah. around by, I think, a lot of us. The whole community. Exactly. Right? So we had to deal with that, too. And we thought we have, we're lucky because we have incredibly passionate volunteers that kept, bringing, help, kept helping us bring in funds, kept helping us run the foundation, kept helping me keep track of details that I could never do alone. It would fail. We Defy Foundation, with as large as it is now, would fail without the ambassadors doing what they're doing. Mm. And it's not just saying, hey, you should donate to this foundation. They're an integral part of our operations, and they, they are the wheels that make it turn. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the you have a solid structure. I know that a lot of people had to pivot in the last you know year or so in – um, sounds like, um, you guys were able to, to do that, you know, rather seamlessly. And I know, you know, a lot of gyms probably going to have a difficult time getting back up and uh, up and running. I know there's a lot of people who are just really struggling right now, but it's really yeah. good to hear that this, this organization that your foundation found a way to make it work. Yeah, we, we did. And, um, we're, we're I say this sometimes cause I like the way it sounds, I say we're, we're building the airplane while we're flying it because like, no one has ever really done this before. And we're not mm-hmm. a nonprofit that takes money and provides it to 
maybe another entity for funding for cancer or something. That's a different model. Like we have an operational model. We do things like we're, we're not actively training the athletes with our own staff, but we're putting them in gyms and coordinating with hundreds of gyms around the country mm -hmm. to make this happen. So it is a very active process where um, it's not just the funneling of resources. Um, it's uh, it's growing. And as we get more ambassadors with different skill sets, we're finding that we can provide more and more services as we go. And it's really, it's really interesting. Like the, the athlete engagement team, the one that acts as mentors, that was simply a team of six people that I said, Hey, I need you guys contacting gyms and athletes to find out if they're operating or shut down. And before long, the ambassadors started making really good friends with the athletes that they were trying to keep track of. Like, well, this needs to be like a mentoring opportunity. This shouldn't just be like an, an administrative or a logistics position. Like we need to be, we can be the community. We right. can create an identity. It's not, now it's not just putting a veteran in a gym and saying, um, you know, here's your tuition, here's your geese. Good luck. <laughs> you know, we don't do that. Now we keep track. We can see if they're succeeding or failing. We can help them when it's not going great. Um, and that's a super exciting thing that I don't. Oh, that's incredibly that, exciting. I mean, that just, yeah. just from a, uh, you know, I'm, you know, my background's in sociology and just thinking about, you know, organizations and structure and whatnot. And I mean, it just sounds like that is really the way to go to really make this thing work, you know, yeah, to it, be able to track your is. athletes and to be able to, to mentor them and guide them. I mean, it's gotta be to me that that seems, seems to be a significant aspect of your, your, success currently in your continued success i think it is and it's it's something that it just caught us a little bit by surprise but as soon as we saw what was happening like dude this is this is the thing yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and we were concerned too like we're not mental health counselors like how do we we have to balance this too because we're not crisis managers so if somebody's having a crisis we're not equipped to deal with that mm -hmm. you know so now these guys have to have know what resources to point people at like the veterans crisis hotline and things like that. You know, it's, it's not an inter interventionist, uh, program like in this, at least in the terms of the mentoring, but it is friendship. Yeah. And that matters. Um, it, absolutely. You know? 100%. So, know, so, yeah. So, you know, I'm really lucky because I have uh, one of your ambassadors at my, my gym. But if other gyms are, you know, interested in getting involved in some way and want to support the Weedify Foundation, um, what would you say the best way to go about that? The best way to do it is um, you can email or contact any of our social media um, outlets like Facebook, Instagram. The, uh, the social media director and I, I talk on a you know, daily basis if we need to. Um, you can also email the foundation. Every email that we get through our info account, the info wedefyfoundation.org, comes to me and the rest of the board. So um, I basically get those emails and help, you know, we help farm them out to whoever they need to go to. So if it's anyone that's, um, if it's an athlete, then our athlete coordinator um, follows up with our athlete is what we call our veterans that we sponsor. So if it's a veteran that wants to be sponsored or is interested, um, we put them on a contact list that I maintain with um, Keely, who's our, our uh, athlete coordinator. 
And whenever we open our application up, we tell these people ahead of time, hey, it's going to be opened so that they know. And then we open it. And we'd like to keep it open nonstop. We can't. We don't have the funding to just keep it perpetually open. Yeah. But our goal is to once you apply, within three months, we want you in a gym. And sometimes Excellent. we can get them in two weeks. It just depends. You know, like we're going to open in probably July or August for the fall. And the first people that we can approve through that will get the September slots. And you know, maybe it takes a couple of months or two for us to get everyone serviced within that window. But that's what we're going to do for now. We're going to keep opening these windows and closing them. But anyone who emails us, we're going to keep track of so that we can tell them, hey, it's going to open on this date. Apply at that point. Um, so so that, that's how someone who's interested in sponsorship would be uh, could get involved. If it's a gym that wants to be one of our partners, because basically what we do is we provide the tuition to a regular gym that we've vetted and chosen to become a partner with. And if you're interested in that process, in, in learning what that what that process is, you email that same email, that info email, because it'll come to me. Ambassador's the same thing. I get that email. I usually give a short description of, of what the program is and how it works. I do the same thing to the gym owners that inquire. And if they come back and say, yes, I'd like to be the ambassador, then I introduce them to one of our regional coordinators that run all the ambassador pro, you know, personnel for the, maybe the Northeast or the Southeast. We've got six different regions. So it's a team of 150 people that... <laughs> are all volunteering their time wow. to, to make this machine run. And it's, it's awesome. And it sounds so fantastic. Exciting. Yeah. That's a, you know, incredibly inspirational. Do you guys have anything coming up for Memorial day? Do you have some plans? We do. Um, we're having uh, gyms that want to participate with open mats, uh, can do so. Uh, you know, in the past we've had up to, um, I think 55 gyms before, last Memorial Day, so there was a Memorial Day 2019. No, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was Veterans Day 2019, and we had 55 gyms do open mats. Oh, fantastic. The next Memorial Day 2020, we didn't do anything. Veterans Day, we did the rock and open mats. Memorial Day, we're doing open mats again for gyms that want to, but also this workout that one of our um, supporters has put together. Um, she trains at the headquarters gym, and... Um, you register online on our website. It's, there's a, a spot on the, uh, if you go to the, like the drop down menu, it says Memorial Day 2021. You register for the t shirt. And if you register by May 1st, then the t shirt will be there by that week. And if you don't register by then, you're still going to get the t shirt. It just may come late. We got to put the order in. But you can get your friends together. You can do it at the gym you work out at. It doesn't have to be a rolling event. It can be the people that are outside of Jiu Jitsu. We haven't, um, an ambassador in Minnesota who's a personal trainer. He doesn't do jitsu. He's going to try to bring in some of the gyms that he is affiliated with to, to do this too. Um, so that's going to be our big Memorial Day push. And our goal for that push is to raise $25,000 um, over that weekend. So Nice. Um, well, so. I, I can tell you that um, I'm going to be – pushing my students to buy a t-shirt and to, yeah. to register. So we're going to, we're going to participate. Yeah. So oh, yeah. um, I know a guy who can help you through that process. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I might, I might, I might have his number. All right. Let's might, do it. It might be me. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. So it looks like we have a week, uh, about a week to, you know, place an order to make sure we get yeah. our t-shirts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do and it. They'll let's, come on time. They'll, they'll come. I mean, if, if they're not, if you order late and that's the thing we want to encourage people keep ordering. Yeah, absolutely. You, when I did the rock, probably 60% or 70% of the people wore the t-shirts that day. 
but they still came, they still donated and they still did the rock with us. You know, we did yeah. a 10 K, you know, and it was November in Minnesota, which can be 70 or 20 and it was 70. So that was awesome. Oh, beautiful, <laughs> man. You're so, lucky. Yeah, we had, lucky. My gym had like 40, 40 ish people that did it, um, up here in, in Minnesota. Um, 10k march and uh it was yeah beautiful out and it was great because it was november of the covid year and we we got to be together we were outside marching you know walking together yeah some of the guys ran one guy carried a canoe he was mm. a marine and he said this thing weighs as much as a person so i'm going to carry this mm. and he, he, he carried it the whole way And it was, it was, it was, a, it was a great because it was like fellowship and it was in a way that we had not been able to practice very much throughout 2020, but we could do this and anybody could do it. Yeah. And that's, I think why it was so successful. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like a really excellent event. Um, do you have a few more minutes here? Cause I, I do. Yeah. 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 yeah I wanted to, um, kind of get off topic just a little bit. I wanted to sure. ask you about your jujitsu and maybe okay. you can tell us a little bit about, um, your game and sure. are you one of those guys likes to throw people? You said you were a judo player back in the day. So did you bring some of that to jujitsu? Do you like, uh, pulling guard or, you know, what's your style? It would be unfair for me to claim that the two or three weeks of judo ju <laughs> that I did at the Air Force Academy impacted my future game. Because <laughs> I literally, I, I signed up, this looks awesome. I went to a couple classes, went home for the summer, and then came back and it was like, why or this? And so I barely got any, any exposure at that time. But um, I am I'm very much uh, a doubting standing type person. Um, I think there's incredible utility in pulling guard if you're really good at it, but, um, I just don't like that game. I like to attack and to me trying to go for the takedown is that's attacking. And, and that's just how I play. When somebody sits in front of me, that's fine. I want to pat, how do you want to start? You start however you want, I, whatever your game is, do it. I'm going to stand. And, um, that's just how I do it. I think that that just sets the terms of the engagement. This is how it's going to be. I'm coming after you. And if you can take me down instead, that's fine. Then I'll, I'll play guard if I have to and try to, you know, work my way to a dominant position. But I, I am very much of the, um, the, the professor Howder, like, you know, get on top, stay on top. If you're not on top, have a, have a impossible guard to pass. And I think, I forget how exactly it says, but don't be seduced by the guard. That's my mentality. Oh, like that, that fits my personality. I actually it's, like it's, that. It's the way I go. Um, but now if I, if I was going up against a wrestler, I probably should have a good guard game. And I should be able to pull guard because I'm not going to take down a wrestler very easily with wrestling. Now, if my judo was better, you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. how do you match up again? Danaher said this too in, in one of the, the, the book. I forget what it's called. I, where is it? I don't even know if I have it over here. Um, Mastering Jiu-Jitsu with... Uh, with Henzo that he wrote with Henzo. It's like, it's an older text now, but mm -hmm. then he says, if, if you are fighting a guy who is excellent at jujitsu, why would you do jujitsu? If you knew your striking was better than his, it's the same thing for takedowns, even though, so I'm, uh, I'm almost like, I, I know I'm going back on this. I said, I want to take somebody down. I'll still try to take down a wrestler just because that's me. Yeah. But 
tactically speaking, I'm probably better off trying to pull guard on a wrestler if I have a good guard pull that I can use, right? Because a wrestler is probably going to beat me in the takedown game because I don't have 20 years of whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's still how I play. Um, I like the back. Um, seven or eight of the last nine competition wins that I have by submission were from the back. Nice. Um, I get there from a lot of places. Um, and that's my, my intent. Take you down, pass your guard, make you give me your back somehow or entice you to move in a way that makes your back open and then take it. Yeah. That's and a then great, if I'm great strategy, if I end up on the bottom, then, um, I, I'm very triangle heavy. Um, I, I hit triangles from a lot of places and I really also like Omoplata. And I, that's a newer thing to me, but as I've progressed, it's allowed me to, okay, alternate. If I close guard, triangles over here, Omoplata is on the other side. I can threaten one or the other and kind of play them together to look for an opening. And I, I really like using it, if it not as a submission, at least as a way to sweep and get top side control. Yeah. That's it's my really favorite. Fun. That's my favorite. I don't, I, I don't necessarily call it a, 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 sometimes it's a submission. Sometimes it's a position, the Omoplata, cause you yeah. can use it as a sweep or you can submit people with it. I love yeah. it. I love the Omoplata. I do too. Yeah. I, I'm still, I'm, it's, I, I, I'm still getting more and more comfortable with it, but it's, it's just opened up a whole other, whole other side of what, um, I can potentially do. And it's, it's super cool. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're a competitor. I mean, you're out mm -hmm. there doing competition. So what would you say to just say a, a student who's really, maybe they came in, they wanted to learn jujitsu, not necessarily interested in competition, but they, they're starting to think about it. Hey, you know, maybe I can get out there and compete as well. What advice would you give them? I really think everyone should compete um, a couple times throughout jujitsu. I, I think that the comp people say competing gets you better. It makes you better, but I think competing makes you better at one thing in particular, and that's dealing with anxiety because you have to perform while anxious and you have to go through all those unpleasant feelings. Cause we all get them. We all, we all go through it. Um, and I think that's an important life skill, but Competing for the sake of competing doesn't necessarily make you that much better. It's the preparation that makes you better. If you go to competition training, if you really focus on your A game for a certain amount of time leading into a competition instead of just trying all kinds of new things or whatever, that's how you get really, really good at your game. And I, I think that that's the honing process that's associated with competition. So that's why I think people should compete. Um, the other, if I was talking to someone who was brand new that was thinking, I said, you're probably scared or concerned about um, disappointing your coach if you're, or your team or maybe yourself. But that's, that's all that's going to happen if you lose. You're only going to be disappointed. And you can handle being disappointed. We've all had disappointments. So don't let the fear of disappointment be the thing that stops you from competing. Just go do it. And I, I think you should compete early and compete when you're not ready and get through it because that's dealing with adversity. When I was a new blue belt, I started competing right as soon as I got my blue belt. And I got mauled, you know, and that was fine because it helped me compete better 
later in the belt. And I, 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 I did win um, my bracket at Nogi Worlds as a blue belt. And um, one of my coaches afterwards said, you know, the reason that you won was like you had been there before you'd put yourself in that position and you had lost so many times <laughs> that you weren't scared to lose. And those other guys, like you could see their body language, like they folded. After, I mean, you were just, you were going after them and you'd put yourself in that position because you, you, you'd been there before. And the only way you can say you've been there before is if you have been there. Yep. So the only place you're going to get that is by competing. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think everybody should compete at least once, at least one time. But I, I agree. I think you should start early. I have students who come to me like, hey, I want to compete. I'm all for it. I'm like, hey, look, you know, we got to get you the necessary technique and the cardio and the strength and whatnot. But when a student comes to me, and tells me they want, they want to compete, um, you know, typically on board as long as, you know, they can, you know, go out there and, you know, rightfully defend themselves, you know, yeah. and, and, and be competitive. That's like the biggest thing for me. I'm not about wins or losses. It's more about being competitive, going out there and, and, you know, having a good showing. And if you win, great, you know, I mean, I want you to win, but yeah, just getting out there to me, it's, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. I mean, well, uh, I think that it's so important to le- to learn how to deal with failure and the prospect of failure because it's okay we fail in jujitsu nonstop. and i think you know my previous life failure was abhorrent you know as a fighter pilot yeah as i know a lot of guys that packed it in i know a lot of guys that man they they drove that airplane right into the desert floor i I mean and that's the ultimate failure right yeah and so you learn to fear in that in that job and it becomes that becomes a part of it became a part of who i was and I, I've said I would have been a better fighter pilot if I'd done jujitsu before because you learn how to cope with failure. Mm-hmm. You fail all the time. And it used to infuriate me early in jujitsu, but now I know how to use it as a tool to get better and to just, because it's a tool be, in a way because it gives me things to work on when I fail at something. But the other way that it's useful, um, and this, is, this isn't a direct route to this thinking, but um, if you're afraid of failing and you're letting it dominate your thoughts, you're not max performing performance-wise. You're worried about failing. Yes. And those are, those are brain bites. Those are like your limited capacity in your human mind should not be worried about the failing. It should be executing. Well, your execution is going to be worse because you're worried about failing. Yep. And yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we can all think of a time when that was the case. So as you learn to manage failure or the prospect of failure, your performance improves. Yeah. And I wish I had known that one as a fighter pilot because yeah. I would have gotten I would have gotten better faster that way. Yeah, it's just it, it's just going to improve so much about you know just you and life, your performance, and a lot of different things. And I know people who just killers in the gym, and I watch them. I'm like, man, this guy is really really good, and but they don't compete. And yeah. uh, you know, I I've asked why and i you know a lot of it i think is just kind of fear and ego and just a fear that you know they're not going to be at their best that they're not going to win that they're going to disappoint and um man i just uh i it's something i just don't understand you know to me it's just like yeah go ahead my best and most unexpected competition was that world's win and I remember one of the things that took the heat, I took the heat off myself. Cause I, at one point I was like, what am I doing here? Like, this yeah. is a world. I have no business being here. <laughs> it's just, 
was ridiculous. Why, why did I do this? I said, you know, and then I, like, I got myself out of that thinking. I said, you know what? I should just go out there and have fun. Yeah. And I took all the expectation off and having lost so many times before. So, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just go and try to win a match and have fun. Just win one match and have a good time with it. And if you lose, you lose. That took all kinds of weight off me. Oh, and I, I think that's what my coach was talking about. Like he said, you know, you, you've, you've been through this so many times that the moment wasn't too big anymore because you made the moment smaller. You just played jujitsu. Yeah. And those other guys still didn't look like they were there. They looked like they were carrying some of that extra weight. Yeah. And that, and that was, I think it was my best competition because it was the first time I ever really just went like, Whatever will be, will be. Let's have fun. Yeah. Well, you made this mental adaptation, and I think that's something that competition forces you to do. It forces you to kind yeah. of confront whatever feelings you're having at the time. I mean, you, you don't even know how you're going to feel until you get out there. I mean, I've had some days where I'm just yeah. like, wow, why am I so nervous? I'm like, I've done yeah. this, I don't know how many times, and I have to deal with that. I have yeah. to, you know, look at my body and see what am I doing wrong? You know, I got to work on my breathing. And man, it just teaches you so much about yourself. Even if, you know, you've done it, you know, uh, you know, 20, 30 times. I mean, there's always a new lesson out there. That's something I've learned just through competing. There's always something that it offers me, you know, that helps me out in my life. And mm-hmm. I mean, something that I, I, I believe it's like, you know, jujitsu is like a, a microcosm of life. I mean, you have your ups and your downs. Sometimes you're happy with how your jujitsu is going. Sometimes you're like, man, I just suck. You know, yeah. why is my yeah. game so horrible? I just came to the gym and I just got crushed by everybody. Right. And, and then, you know, you, you have your times where, you know, you're just on a roll, man, everything's working. And, um, you know, to me, I just think it, it helps you out with just with life. Cause that's how life is. You know, life yeah. isn't perfect. Yeah. You know, you you have your ups and downs in life. If if you can handle jujitsu, if you can make it through, um, you know those those months of just getting smashed and crushed by people, um, man, you can make it through just about anything in life. So yeah, I, and I'll tell you what the uh, the people we sponsor with Weedify will prove that to you. You can get through. All of those things, yeah, with yeah. jujitsu as a, as a tool, yeah, one hundred percent. Is there any other message you'd like to share with our listeners? Anything you want to add here? Um, I, I like to encourage everyone to take a, a moment to go to our website and just see what we do. Um, if it speaks to you, consider donating. Um, if you're a gym owner and you're interested, or if you're interested in being an ambassador, um, email us there. I'm pretty responsive. You know, I'm a, yes, I'm a volunteer, but you know, we'll have, we'll have a conversation, um, back and forth. If you know someone that you think could benefit from this, uh, let us know too. Like I said, we can't open the application up, uh, on a nonstop basis, but we keep track of the people that come to us so that we can make sure they get an opportunity. Um, so that's, I think the, the biggest thing is, is, um, Learn about us, ask us questions. And um, if you want us to be a supporter, we got a lot of ways that you can do that too. Outstanding. Uh, this has been uh, an incredible conversation. Um, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your schedule. I know you're a busy guy. I know you have a family and a lot of responsibilities. And, but I just really appreciate you, you know, joining the show 
and you know sharing you know your history your story to me is really really incredible and the work that you guys do is just uh, amazing and i just want to say thank you we need more folks like you out in our communities doing the hard work that needs to be done and um you know maybe you know we can get you back on the show we can talk about yeah. some other things if you're interested so yeah, I'd you know, love to. yeah we were talking before about some other topics maybe we can you know, or just have a conversation. So yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, right. maybe I, hit the bar if I'm in Minnesota, or if you're ever in the area, yeah. man. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, sit tight here for a second and, okay. um, you know, we can talk a little bit more off mic. Sure. And I, you know, I should real fast too. I should yeah. thank Randy and Dave too. Randy yeah. and Dave for bringing this to your attention to, to get, get the opportunity to get our message out as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm going to work with, with both Dave and Randy, you know, in the next couple of weeks, probably the next month or so that way we can put together, you know, a really great open mat and, um, you know, we're going to do some social media stuff. So yeah. I support you awesome. guys. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff.